Thank you for listening in to Group Talk, a monthly conversation designed to wrestle through vital issues in leading small group leaders. Group Talk is hosted by Carolyn Takeda and is a product of the Small Group Network, a network of small group point people that exists to build relationships, share ideas, and help one another become more intentional at accomplishing the tasks God's laid before us. If you like what you hear, we encourage you to visit our website at smallgroupnetwork.com. Well, welcome to Group Talk. So glad you could join us. You know, recently I received a call from someone who had just been assigned to launch a new small groups ministry at their church. And she was a bit overwhelmed. Um, and she said, so how do you start? What do you do first? Um, and as we got to talking, we realized that it actually wasn't a new brand new ministry. It was more like a restart. And so this is actually the topic of our conversation this morning. Uh, most churches that are launching new small groups ministries are rarely starting from scratch. And um, they're usually restarting launching an old ministry that somehow stalled or stopped at some point. Maybe the small group pastor left. Maybe the church had a major transition. Um, perhaps the resources dried up or strategies failed or vision just over time just faded away. Um, and there's usually some history there, and we're going to talk about that more in a moment. But let's say your church has decided to push the restart button and make small groups happen. And you've been hired uh, or assigned, as many cases are, as a small group point leader to overhaul and to rebuild a healthy, fruitful, smallness ministry. So where do you start? What strategy do you use? Um, and how do you even decide what your top priorities are going to be? Well, on the program today, we're going to talk through these essential pieces to help you succeed in building from ground zero. And even if your smallness ministry has been humming along well for a while, I hope you'll stay tuned because there might be some parts that you might want to reboot and you may pick up some tips on how to keep building your ministry well. Well, with me in the program today is someone who recently relaunched a new small group ministry very successfully. Our guest is Andrew Mason. Hey, thanks for being with us, Andrew. Hi, Carolyn. Thanks for having me on. Well, Andrew oversees the small groups um, at Real Life Church, which is a multi-site family of churches in Northern California. It's kind of a fast-growing, interesting model, um, and he'll hopefully share a little bit about that. And he's been in that role for just about one year. Um, and prior to that, though, Andrew's been in full-time ministry for um, 10 years. And he's involved with the Small Group Network as our Northern California Regional Leader, as well as um, serving on our communications team on our social media stuff. And in 2012, he founded a website called smallgroupchurches.com, which is a terrific resource for people in small groups ministry. So I hope you'll check that out. So, Andrew, let's start off by hearing a bit about how he came to be at Real Life Church a year ago. Um, what happened to get you to be there? What was the status of the ministry when you got hired? And what did you do? How did you start? Yeah, basically, um, I was overseeing small groups at another church at the time and just felt the Lord uh, stirring in me and my wife, Camille's hearts, uh, just said he had something new and was aware of an opening at this, this church, Real Life Church. It's in the, the Sacramento area. It's the main campus where I work at. And then we have uh, about three or four other campuses um, in the Northern California region um, where we, we're overseeing group life there for that. And so I met with the, the senior pastor, his uh, name's Pastor Scott Hagen, uh, an awesome leader, and just began to talk with him and dream with him. They, they had done some things. They had kind of dabbled in some elements of group life, um, but, you know, it kind of felt like they were hitting a wall and weren't really seeing uh, the dynamics in there they were hoping to see and, and wanted to really take that to another level. It's, it's a, you know, the church plant, the main campus is, is a church plant just under 10 years um, but it already has over well over a thousand people, 
And um, so they're kind of past that stage where, you know, there, there's a stage in church growth where relationships can happen by default. Sure. And, and right. you can kind of get away with that in, in a sense. And then there comes uh, another growth stage where they have to happen by design. And uh, those are my words. That, that's, that's my pastor, Pastor Scott Hagen. He said, we need to go from relationships by default to relationships by design, which is a really profound statement. And right. um, so, yeah, so with my background in small groups, um, I, I experienced uh, seeing some growth in, in small groups from, um, fr- from the different ministries when I was in youth ministry and then when I was an associate pastor. Um, we, we just began dreaming about what we could see happen um, at Real Life Church across the, across the campuses. So came on board last May, um, worked really hard on a, on a fall campaign. We, we launched over 100 groups in the Sacramento region in the fall. That was kind of our initial offering. We had over 800 people participate uh, in a small group in the fall and, um, you know, really just saw some amazing things happen right off the bat and started, started off with momentum which uh, we'll talk more about that, but, but yes. and now we're just, now we're just building. Okay. So let's back this up. All right. So May 2014, uh, you arrived, which is a year ago. So what's the first yeah. thing you tackled when you arrived at the church? Well, the first thing was uh, determining the present condition. Um, a couple of things, you know, we, we named this building from ground zero. That, that term ground zero describes the point on the earth's surface closest to a detonation. Um, or, or it refers to the point on the ground directly below the detonation. So as we talked about, most churches aren't launching a new small group ministry, even though they'll say that. It, it's usually a reboot where something kind of died, and you're kind of building from the ashes. And so you have to go and really um, get in touch with Ground Zero. Uh, one of my favorite leadership quotes is from a guy, Max Supri. He was founder of the Herman Miller Office Furniture okay. Company. And in his book, the, the Art of Leadership, he said, the first responsibility of a leader is to define reality. Right. And, and so you have to get your finger on the pulse, but you also have to help the leaders and the people in the, in the church get their finger on the pulse, too. Um, you know, defining reality brings context for vision. Vision's not going to have any urgency without context. Like if, if, I, if I tell someone, hey, I have a vision to build a wall of sandbags, um, that's probably, they're probably not going to be very interested in that. But if I say, hey, there's a storm coming in three days. It's going to flood your house. <laughs> but, I ha- but I have a vision to build a wall of sandbags. They're, they're probably going to be a little bit more motivated to be a part of that. And sure. so I, I just began to talk to a handful of the group leaders that were, um, you know, facilitating some groups and, you know, asked them what was happening. Um, several of them were, were kind of comfortable with the way things were. Um, the problem right. was that's not that's not why my senior pastor hired me because he, he wanted them to be different. Uh, but I kind of knew that going in, and so I just began to ask questions and listen. I didn't try to be too aggressive, but I just asked questions like, "Hey, what kind of training have you received to lead your small group?" And, and many hmm. of them had received very little, if none. Um, you know, how, how did so? What you, did you did you get some push? So- so did you get some pushback then, Andrew, from the people, kind of the old guard or people that are used to doing things a certain way? Of course, of course. And, and you know, pushback, you know, pushback may be too strong of a word. You know, I love my people. Resistance. You know, it's, <laughs> it's just more, I would just say more human nature. <laughs> yes, you know? it, is, it is human uh, nature. And I, think, and I think the reality is whenever there's any change, we're going to get some resistance because change always um, puts forth resistance in human nature. So I think just to expect that if you're tackling a rebuild, um, you're going to expect some resistance from different people. 
Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, and that's why I just use questions like, you know, how do new people get new people at the church get connected into groups? And, you know, there wasn't, well, you know, they kind of had us for no more, you know, going for a couple of years. Right, um, right. What's the strategy to, 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 you know, grow your group, to develop leaders? Um, so you just ask these questions. And the, my whole point asking the question wasn't to give them the answer. It was to give them a thirst, to give them a sense that, you know, maybe there's more to group life than we're currently experiencing. Trying to create that context so when the vision eventually came, it, there would there would be you know it, there would be some dots being connected and so I think you got to really get your finger on that pulse but you have to get others other key influencers there to get their finger on the pulse as well you can't just be the one in the know there has to be, everyone has to see the big picture and when when you did that in May how long did it take you to kind of get the pulse on what was going on. Oh well well luckily there you know there wasn't a, a ton of groups going on so I, I felt like within a month or two, I, I was able to have a lot of those conversations. And I was just going to say a lot, but now that didn't mean that um, all the problems were solved, but, but I was able to connect with a lot of those key leaders that, um, you know, were, were going to be part of us moving forward and, and try to create that thirst, try to create that context for why we needed to do some things differently. And it's possible because, you know, your church was less than 10 years old um, when you came on the scene. But for a church that's been around maybe 20, 30, even 40 years, uh, it may take longer probably to process some of their history and and um, different learnings from the ashes, as you said. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think there's a, an easy cynical mentality people can have when you're trying to start something new with group life. People say, oh, yeah, we've already tried small groups, you know. Right, um, right. And so um, that, that, that brings me kind of my, the, the second point where the, the thing is defining what a disciple is for your church. Um, that's really helpful because, because everyone you know, wants to tell you, hey, we've done groups before, you know, I don't, you know didn't really work, is, is I, kind of back the, the, I kind of back the conversation up. Before we talk about groups, I want to talk about, hey, what, what is a disciple at our church? And I think many times we put the cart before the horse. I'll talk to a church, and they'll say, hey, we want to do more with our small groups. And I'll say, okay. I'll say, well, what is a disciple? And sometimes they have an answer. Uh, sometimes they don't. If you interview five of their staff members, they'll give you five different definitions. And you've got to remember, <laughs> uh, yeah, small groups aren't the horse. They're the cart. Right. The horse is the mission of discipleship or making disciples. The cart or the delivery method is small groups. And so when I came in, that was one of the first conversations I started having was, hey, how are we going to define what a disciple is here at the church? And we went around in staff meeting. I said, hey, everyone write down on a note card what a disciple is at Real Life Church. And there was about 15, 20 people in the room, and I got about 15, 20 different answers. <laughs> and um, I, was, I was setting them up, you know. Um, I was, I was, but the, the point was, you know, if we all define this differently, it's going to be hard for us to lead corporately. And right, so and did, we, you, did you look to your senior, senior pastor to define that for the whole church, or did you guys come up with a definition out of that room? Great question, great question. No, before I did that, the first thing, one of the first things I did was I had a conversation with my senior pastor, and I said, hey, what uh, is a disciple to you? Okay. I said, I said, give me like three, four, five things. What is a disciple to you? And I was literally sitting in his living room. I just had my iPhone out, and I'm just, I'm just writing this stuff down fast and furious. And 
and he gave me about four pillars. And um, the tricky thing with this is discipleship is a very individual process for everybody, and so it's impossible to summarize discipleship for everybody in one little short, you know, saying. Um, mm-hmm. But you have to start with something. You have to start with something simple, something that has some cadence to it. Uh, it may yeah. already be in your mission statement or purpose statement. It, it may not be. Um, so we just came up with, you know, belong in community, believe in Christ daily, become a contributor, begin sharing courageously. You know, belong, believe, become, begin. And the first of course, one, they're they all belonging. start with the same same letter. This seems to of be every, every church has one of these, and it all starts with like the four B's, the four C's. <laughs> if it's not, if there's no alliteration, or if it's not an acronym, it's not from God, Carolyn, right? <laughs> Uh, when we're in trouble, then I don't. Ours doesn't have that. Uh, something, something well, is awry. Yeah. Must... <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. So, so no, I, I agree. I agree. I'm and just... you're saying part, part of the disciple def- definition is because from that definition, you're getting the next definition, which is what is a small group going to do to align with that, right? Yeah, because cause the you know the first one there, belonging communities, referring to small groups, and so what I first had to do is with the staff, with the leaders is we had to come and we had a whole, we had an off-day site where we talked about it, where we said, do we believe that a disciple of Christ needs to be in a small group? And we, we just kind of hashed that out. Um, because if we don't believe that, then why are we doing groups? Let's do, let's do Sunday school classes. Let's do, let's do whatever it is that we believe a disciple is. Let's do that. And so I think if you're going to, when you launch groups, you have to have a bigger picture than just a ministry program. It has to be, this is what we believe sure. a disciple is. And uh, Simple Church is a great book if you want more on that uh, by Rayner and Geiger. But, yeah, and and then we move to what you said, defining what a small group is. Um, Once you come to that place where you say, okay, we believe groups is key for someone to be a disciple, what you're going to have when you come into a a church, you're doing a reboot or relaunch, everyone in your church, when you say small group, they have an idea in their mind of what that is. Right, right. (laughs) <laughs> but other people have a completely different vision in their mind uh, of what a small group is than what you have. You know, you say small group, you're thinking one thing. They they say small group, they're like, yeah, we love small groups, but they're thinking of something maybe totally different. Um, right. So you got you got to start to define your small group model. Um, you have to start to to answer some of those those key questions like, um, you know, how long. How long do small groups meet? Do they meet every week all year long, or do they meet for you know on a term or semester basis? Where do groups meet? When do they meet? What is their frequency? Once a week? Once once every two weeks? Are they closed? Are they open? How big is a group? Um, what's the target audience? What happens at a meeting? How is group curriculum determined? Um, how does the the small group ministry grow, develop new leaders, and start new groups? You have to define all those things. For yourself, or people are going to define it for you. That's true. Or different people will assume you've defined it a certain way and run with it. <laughs> yes, yes. You say one thing, they think something else, and and so and that that's really going to be a thing where you're building a culture. You're going to have to retrain your people. It's going to take two or three years if you have people who have been leading groups under a different paradigm. But but you have to start somewhere. You have to start being crystal clear about this is what we mean when we say a small group. And um, and then that's going to take time to, to work that, you know, from the inside out to everyone in the organization. You know, what's interesting, though, is I think because we want to accommodate, that's like a human nature thing, especially for pastors and churches, is that um, when someone is 
as rebooting a ministry, and there are some straggling groups still out there on the landscape, there's this desire to want to incorporate them um, and want to kind of appease them or grandfather them in. And I think part of what I hear you saying is, you know, if you're really clear about what the overall vision is going to be and say you land on, this is what, what our disciple is for our church, this is how small groups help to make disciples, but say these other older groups or existing groups or, you know, uh, these groups just aren't quite hitting the mark um, or resistant or something, I, I mean, do you cut them off? Do you just let them be? Do you just let them strike along for a while and hope that they catch the vision? What do you What do you do with that? Oh, that's a great question. And obviously there's different leadership approaches and styles. For me personally, I'm not saying this is the way you need to do it, but for me personally, I, I try to be patient. Um, I try to continually define it and communicate it. And I understand that some people it's going to be slow to, for, for them to take to that new approach. Um, I, I, I think that God is still doing good things in those groups. Um, right. so I try to be patient, but I, I really celebrate the groups that are walking with the vision. I really highlight the groups that are walking with the vision. And I really spend most of my leadership investment on the groups that are walking with the vision. If I, if I keep trying to get a leader to come around two or three times, I don't cut them off and I, I don't, you know, ignore them. But I definitely, I definitely switch my focus to, to investing in the leaders who are really running with the vision. Yeah, I, I think that's wise. Um, I still, even after almost 10 years at my church, we still have uh, people who are here before me, um, and they refer to their groups um, as home group, which was like 30 years ago, or growth group, which was like 20 years ago. And we've been calling small groups now for nine years, and I'm like, okay, and and, I, and it's just I just smile and I just think there's good stuff happening, and they they are all on board, you know, in their minds about small groups, and um, and for the most part they line up well. They just don't haven't ever switched their terminology, <laughs> so we just we let it be, um, and it's it's been fine. But there is a sense of I think patience and wisdom and and um, realizing where to invest. Uh, going forward, um, but also not not cutting off and creating unnecessary um, conflict. Um, okay, so yeah. all right, so let's talk about well, so what are some other essential pieces to rebuilding the ministry. So say now you've you've defined what a disciple is, defined what a small group is going to be, and how that's going to align with your discipleship program and strategy for your church. Now, um, what are kind of other pieces for rebuilding that? Yeah, I, I, the next thing I would point to is, is promoting content more than community because um, whenever you're relaunching something, you always get to the point where, okay, we're going to make the announcement and we're going to tell people about the new program or the new idea. And this is my personal opinion. People may disagree with this. For, for me personally, I think small groups lack sizzle when they're promoted to a church as an important program. Now, I, I know people, well, that's, that's heresy, you know. Um, <laughs> I, you know, for me, and, and I've used this phrase, so I'm I'm a, I'm a hypocrite here. The phrase "doing life together," um, I, I've come to. I, I'm not a big fan of using that phrase. And we're like, "Hey, we're doing groups to do life together," because uh, I, I think it's almost too much pressure you put on a program that you're going to go to this program and find your best friend or your bestie, as it's called now today. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think we're putting too much pressure on something new, something that's fragile, something that people are kind of on the fence about. And so, you know, I think about it like this. So the small group program um, is just the skeleton. And, you know, we didn't marry our spouses for their skeleton. Well, I'll just speak for myself. I didn't marry my spouse <laughs> for her skeleton, you know. 
Um, and so when we just come in and we just say, hey, you know, a lot of times a senior pastor or staff member will go to a small group conference and they'll come back and they're just going to beat the small group drum program into the people's heads. Um, and, and they have they find that people aren't latching on to is because you're, you're presenting a skeleton. You're saying, hey, here, you know, here's the, the, the knee bone and here's the elbow and the forearm. Let's get excited. Um, you know, Steve Gladen, he wisely told me this. He said, people gather around content, not community. And it's I think so interesting. You know, I think there's, I, I, you know, I, okay, for the sake of argument, I actually agree with you, but let's, for the sake of argument, let me um, yeah. present the other side. I think a lot of groups ministries will promote groups and sign ups because they want to emphasize the felt need. And in our culture, yeah. in our postmodern culture and the transitions, especially um, in the maybe not Bible Belty areas, it's the desire for relationships that, that brings people into groups. And so they want to leverage that. And that's like the language of, you know, doing life together became so yes. popular. Um, yes. and, I, and so I, I think for those people, if you're using relationship as the hook, then the content becomes less significant, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. And I think if you have an established groups ministry with a culture that is positive about groups, I think that works. And I've used that. But, again, we're talking about coming in where you're at ground zero, where the ashes are, and there may be some cynicism about, you know, revamping group life. Um, when I came in, some of the things that, you know, hey, let's get us, they, they said, hey, day one, we want you to get a small group page up on the website and put all the info. And I begged them, I said, please don't make me do that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I said, I said, let's not, I don't even want to hear the word small groups for the first couple months. I said, let's work on a, on a church-wide campaign. Like for us, we did, we did 40 days of freedom. I said, let's work on a church-wide campaign and let's just talk about freedom, freedom, freedom. And we're going to do a sermon series and go, you know, we use the Freeway book by Mike Foster. And, and we'll talk about, do you want more freedom in your life? And one of the ways you can get more freedom is by being a part of one of our small groups that's going to coincide with the book and the sermon series on Sunday. And so we promoted content and we kind of snuck groups in the back door. And, yes, um, that, I think. And, and then, again, that goes back to earlier point. Then groups becomes the the cart and not the horse and it does take the pressure and i'm showing my true colors because i completely agree with you but i and that's that's worked better for us as well i think you can do both it's probably both and um because some people will be drawn to groups because and they won't care what you're studying they just want to make a new friend they're new to the area they want to make a friend um they want to feel connected to a larger church it makes a big church small so they may join in for those reasons and for desire for community and relationship but I, longer term, more sustainable, I think is going to be the content. Um, and will that, and perhaps is that the way you generate more excitement and momentum? Is it easier um, and more effective to generate excitement and momentum through content than um, through, you know, have make a VFF? Yeah, I mean, I, I think especially, you know, for in America, I think it's different in different parts of the world. Um, you know, but I think in America we're a very individualistic society. We want to know um, what's in it for me. You exactly, know? yeah. Um, and so I think when you talk about, hey, we want to help you grow in your life in whatever way, whether it's, you know, prayer or being in the Word or love or whatever, um, we want to help you grow. And, and these are the ways we're going to help you grow. And one of them is by being a part of a group. Um, you know, I think the whole church alignment 
you know, campaign. I was just with a church in Arizona, actually, who they're looking to take their groups to another level. And I, this is exactly what I told them. I said, if I were you guys, I would start working on a, on a church-wide campaign. And um, they had done them before. It had been a lot of years. And I said, but if you want to do a fresh launch of groups, don't talk about groups. Talk about what you want to see happen in their life and then have groups as one of the ways that they can facilitate that growth in their life. Um, and I just think it's, a, it, you know, especially when you have all the cynicism at a, at a yes. place about groups, I think it's a, it's a, it's a great redirect to get people away from, you know, um, picking apart the small group ministry program and just saying, this is what we want to see happen in your life, and, and this is how one of the ways it can happen. So what have you done to create uh, momentum kind of around something new? Other than the fact that something new usually just has some natural momentum in it, um, what, what's a way to create excitement and momentum around groups that isn't just hype? You know, we're, sometimes churches are guilty, and we're guilty of promoting every program as the best thing ever. And if everything's <laughs> the best thing ever, nothing really is, right? So how do, yeah. you, how do you do that? How do you create momentum, and how do it be genuine, authentic, and sustainable? Yeah, and, and I, would say, um, I, I would say one of the things that I see hinders a lot of small group ministries is they never actually get to critical mass. They never get to a place where they have momentum in the church. And and I think part of the problem is is we, we, we use the whole small group philosophy is we you know, let's just we'll just, you know, build slowly and one day we'll get there. But if you never get momentum going, it never has importance. And so I think you need to have as one of the goals is we don't just want to launch this thing, but we want this to have momentum. We want this to have excitement. We want this to have energy. Um, you know, that, that that's where the host model uh, if you consider the host model, I actually start off in groups ministry reading cell group material, and I mm-hmm. still use a lot of the principles. Um, and so when I, I first heard the host model, I was kind of uh, resistant towards it because I thought, well, man, you're, you know, those are, you're not using real leaders and people, <laughs> you know, people who aren't real disciples can't make disciples. And I was a little resistant towards it at first. Um, but when you talk about relaunching a group ministry, and trying to get some energy going, the host model is perfect because it lowers the bar for leadership and it gets more people involved in the process that now you have more leads at the end of that campaign with sure. those hosts where, okay, now I have this, this list of people that I can go after and develop versus you know having this huge leadership bar that you can only get the same five or ten people who sign up for everything to, to, to be a part of. Um, <laughs> You know, so yeah, I think getting a lot of people involved. I think thinking of things like the the, the churchwide campaigns, the host model to kick something off. Um, I think you can get a lot of energy going and get a lot of excitement. Um, and there's different events you can do. You know, we had a big connection event when we launched our our our, our campaign. We had a, a barbecue. You know, we're in Northern California, so this might not work in other areas of the country, but we have good weather. So <laughs> we, we had a big barbecue out front where people could meet, you know, the different group hosts and and we had music going. And so we make groups something exciting and we made it something fun, something visible, um, and, we, and we put emphasis on it. And I think you got to go in with that mindset. How are we going to make this exciting? How are we going to make this have momentum um, right off the bat? Don't, don't have a three-year plan to gain momentum or else you, you might never – ever see that happen. And that brings us to actually um, my last um, bit of topic is to get that kind of momentum and that kind of buy-in, you're going to need your senior pastor involved. 
right? So what is the role of the senior pastor in the rebuilding? Oh, yeah. Well, I had the, the advantage, which others might not, where we had, you know, kind of the, the first time sitting down and talking with my, my pastor, Pastor Scott. Um, he was kind of interviewing me, but I, I was kind of interviewing him. And so one of the first <laughs> things he asked me was, you know, what do you think are some of the ingredients to, you know, healthy small groups ministry in a church? And, and the first thing, and I was just, I was just leaning in. I just, I didn't hesitate. I said, well, I'll be honest with you. One of the first things I think is important is that the senior pastor has to be the small group champion. I said, I can do all the heavy lifting, but I can't be the small group champion for things to really be healthy. And he immediately nodded his head, said, I agree 100%. If I'm not behind this, it's not going to take off. And I thought, okay, I think we have a chance here. <laughs> I think, you know, um, and obviously, you know, it's not just that simple. Um, but I told him, I said, hey, look, I understand you're busy. I understand you have a lot going on. But when we launch these groups, if you could do one thing for me, if you could go attend one of the groups that first week when we launch and get up the next Sunday and talk about it for the first 45 seconds of your message, just talk about your group experience, it will be a game changer to the culture of this church. And, that's, a great, he, that's a great idea. Just oh, to go yeah, to one, not even, not, even to belong, not even to belong for the six, eight weeks, but just to go once? Yes, and, and in his defense, he actually was a part of the whole 40-day campaign. Right, Most, yes. Part of a group. But I was telling him, all you guys, if you could just go to one and talk about it, and that Sunday he did it, it you, could, you could feel something shift. Like all the leaders, all the, the people who had influence who were still kind of on the fence were like, uh-oh, the senior pastor is all in on this thing. Where am I at with it? Um, and, and so that was huge. That was huge. Um, What's that? So when you say when you say small group champion, I know, I know we use that term as kind of internal lingo. Break, break that down for us. Um, what other? That's a great example you just gave of going and talking about it from the platform. How? In what other ways can um, senior pastors be a small group champion? What other things can we ask them to do? Well, I think uh, encouraging that. Hey, we want to build a culture here uh, of small group life, and so if he can not not preach. I mean, obviously, if he can preach a whole sermon every now and then. That's awesome. But if he can sprinkle <laughs> oh, yeah, that, in, that's happening all over, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I would say, hey, man, if you can just sprinkle in, you know, uh, referring to community, referring to getting out of rows and getting into circles, um, sprinkle that into your messages every now and then. Even if you only do it once or twice a month, that helps us to build a culture when we refer to it. It doesn't have to be a whole sermon. It doesn't have to be a whole point. So, like, for instance, my senior pastor, he's, he's great at one-liners. He's like the master of mm -hmm. one-liners. He, he gets up there, and he's talking about growing and how God wants to, wants to help you grow in your life. And he says, you know what? And, and, and you've got to get into a circle because you can't grow in a row. And that's, that, that's his one-liner, and he'll use that about every two or three months. You can't grow in a row, and you've got to get into a circle. And um, so he'll use that every two or three months. And then when the senior pastor, when he or she is, is dropping things like that into the message on a regular basis, um, that, gets, that brings people to me. That brings questions Hi. to me out in the lobby. That brings me you know what's, to me. What, what's also been, I think that's a great idea. I, what's also been helpful, too, is um, when I hear a great small group story, I'll email it to him and say, hey, this really cool thing happened. Um, just want to let you know. And then, you know, in the, and since I'm also on the, um, the uh, 
the worship planning team, I can see which messages are coming up. And I'll go a step further, and I'll say, hey, this would be a great illustration of what happened in a small group for this particular message. Think about, would you think about using it? And most times he does, um, and he drops it in, and it, it casts vision. Even though he's not in a small group, it still kind of helps to move the, the ball forward and for the congregation to hear, oh, there's cool things happening, there's growth happening that, you know, in small groups. And as long as I think the more it's talked about on the platform, the more it helps um, keep it in people's mind and shift culture. Absolutely. No, that, no, I would agree with that 100%. And, and the other thing I do and you can do is, you know, maybe once a year, um, sneak a small group, sneak a small group book, uh, to them. You know, it sounds funny to say it like that, <laughs> but, um, but you know, I constantly am trying to feed him stuff and he's a really busy guy. He's got a lot, obviously a lot in his plate. So I know sometimes he may get to it. Sometimes he may not, but I actually gave him a book a while back and I thought, man, I gave it to him in a wrong season. He had a lot going on. But he just quoted he just quoted a line from the book at our staff meeting this Tuesday. Oh, uh, that's cool. What's the book? Uh, it's Biblical Foundations for the Cell-Based Church by Joel Comiskey. Oh, and that's so classic. I told him, I said, hey, this is just theology. So this is just stuff that you can sprinkle into your messages. There's no strategies or this is just straight theology. And so just, you know, check it out. You know, let me know what you think about it. And so I'm just, you know, once a year I'm feeding him stuff. Um, to keep to keep him thinking about it. Right. You know, another great resource for that is I recently had um, Eric Geiger on Group Talk, and that transformational group, there's one section, there's only about two pages, um, that has all the stats on if, you're, if your congregation is in a group, they're more likely to read the Bible regularly, pray, evangelize, all the, all the indicators for spiritual growth go up if they're in a group, and they've actually, at Stetzer, and he has done all this research and lifestyle on this. So I copied those pages. I didn't even give him the whole book because I wasn't sure he would read it. But I copied the pages, and I sent it around to our whole executive team, and I said, look, the, you know, need I say more? <laughs> yes, um, I, sent, I sent that exact quote. Do you want the exact quote? Okay. <laughs> there is. I know. I think we've, we've even put it on the small group um, the network um, Facebook page because it was just so perfect. Yeah, people in your church who are in a group are more likely to serve more sacrificially, share the gospel more frequently, give more generously, and repent more regularly than those not in a group. Absolutely. Especially that give more generously. I think that was a real winner. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, that, that always, always <laughs> raises the eyebrows. Um, but that's a great idea. It's just a kind of almost... I think the key is with the, the senior pastor is even if they're not totally bought in, um, they have you on staff for a reason. So even if they may not be super passionate, like a Rick Warren level of championing groups or your pastor, um, Andrew, but still um, they're not opposed to it and they want to see it grow and they want it to be a positive uh, um, thing that helps to make disciples. So I think whatever you can do to gently encourage and nudge and resource is, is really a good good idea yeah so now we are and you're always you're always flirting with that line of not becoming that annoying staff person so you have to be proactive and not annoying you have to figure out where that line is <laughs> <laughs> that, that is a that that is a line and and it's it is a bit of a dance and it depends a lot on your relationship um, with the senior senior pastor it also depends on your seat on the bus um yeah. the, so there's a lot of sensitivities and i think for some people um they may not even have access 
and then you have yeah. to kind of work work your way through who who does have access. Um, and then and you're, and, you're, and you're not the only one pulling pulling on his coattails. Oh, you know, sure. All the other yeah. ministry programs, you know, are going, hey, what about us over here? And so you you got to be realistic with with what's on their plate. Exactly, and you know, Bill Search talked about that on on, on his group talk as a senior pastor. That you know, because he used to be a small group pastor, he he has a special place in his heart. Um, so the small group stuff gets gets on his radar, and he's all he's all over. And he said, but at the same time, he also has to juggle all the other priorities of the church too. Um, and so yeah. it's you know, to be realistic um, and not so tunnel vision that our thing is the most important thing. Um, maybe it is on Connection Sunday. Maybe when we're launching a new campaign, yes. But you know, then there's the other priorities as well. But hopefully, people are wise enough to do that. So we're out of time, Andrew. But um, I want to give you just a couple minutes to talk a little bit about your website, which is wonderful. And then also, if there's any other final thoughts that you might have. No, I, I would say just you know, if you're coming in to a new position, um, just come in with a lot of excitement. Come in with a lot of patience. Um, and and uh, you know, all all the different things we talked about. Um, I think could really, really help you out. There was a subtle hint there, you know, uh, starting off with a church-wide campaign can be a great way to get some <laughs> momentum going, uh, too. But you're going to, you know, to see how It wasn't that subtle, Andrew. It was not subtle. <laughs> oh, that's good. Good. That was that, that was the point. But, uh, yeah, with smallgroupchurches.com, it's it's just uh, a site where we're trying to, to be a resource to small group leaders, but also be a hub of resources as well. We really – uh, our heart is to be a bridge to other online resources. So, for example, we have a forum. It's free to join. Anybody can post topics. And one of the we have different forums in there. One of them is a small group network forum. So I just want to mention that to the small group network audience that if you lead a huddle, um, you know, you're welcome to post your huddle information on there. We get about 5,000 unique visitors a month. And so maybe someone comes across uh, the website and they see a huddle that's in their area. It's just another way. Um, to get the word out about the different events and the different things going on in the small group network. Um, so, yeah, anyway, we can be a blessing. Um, that's what we're here to do. Right. Thank you, Andrew, so much. Um, just God bless you and your ministry. Thank you, uh, Carolyn. It was an honor to be, honor to be on here. Thank you. <laughs> oh, great. Well, we, you can uh, ask questions and interact with Andrew on our Facebook small group network page. And he, feel free to challenge him uh, with anything, push back on stuff, disagree with him if you want to, or ask him more questions about how he did this. Um, so you can also follow him on Twitter at Andrew S. Mason. The link is on, will be on our website as well. Um, and he's he's so great to talk with, and he coaches small group um, ministry leaders and does this kind of stuff on a regular basis. So feel free to to reach out to him if you'd like um, any additional information and also his website. You know, my favorite thing on the website is actually those short videos. I like that they're like less than five minutes each, and it's just a little nugget <laughs> of, of things and on a wide variety of topics uh, for newbie uh, ministry leaders as well as people who are more experienced. There's, still, there's a lot of great content, so check that out as well. Well, thank you for listening to Group Talk. Um, we will see you next time. Thank you for listening in to Group Talk, a monthly conversation designed to wrestle through vital issues in leading small group leaders. If you like what you hear, we encourage you to visit our website at smallgroupnetwork.com.